Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, today we're going to be talking about grieving unique losses, and uh, all losses are different, and I think sometimes uh, we don't pay as much attention to some of the things like stillbirth. So Heidi, you want to introduce our guest today? Sure. As you said, Mom, we're going to be talking about grieving unique losses, and our guest today is Kristen Rademacher, and she faced a unique grief when her baby was born stillborn. And uh, her book is From the Lake House, A Mother's Odyssey of Loss and Love. She also does workshops on unique grief of stillbirth. And she is an academic coach for college students. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you for having me. My, uh, my experience losing a baby was almost 17 years ago. And I had had a healthy pregnancy all along. There were no um, concerns or issues. And I was just slightly overdue by a week or so and uh, woke up one morning and did not feel the baby move. Mm. Um, so ended up going to the emergency room to meet with my midwife and we had a emergency ultrasound and discovered that the heart, the baby's heart had stopped beating. So um, two days later I was induced for wow. labor and and delivered her. So you were um, two days with the, at a heartbeat, it sounds like, right? And then you got induced? So I, I don't know when, so she had died somewhere probably the yeah. night before when I stopped feeling her move. Um, and then when I went into the emergency room and they told me through the ultrasound that her heart had stopped beating, I was given an option to go, you know, check in right then and there and have labor induced or go home for a minute and just kind of gather myself. And that's what I did. And then I went back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. What an, an intense situation. I mean, my son was two and a half weeks overdue. Mm. I ended up being induced and I'm just thinking of you because I've got a similar, you know, and he was fine. I mean, and, and like you said, I would have never expected anything, but you know, you go full term and they're still growing that last week. You're like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait and let them incubate for a little longer. Um, and then to have that happen, so shocking. It was, it was, um, I mean, shock is not even strong enough a word. It's yeah. just, you know, yeah. it's just this sort of shattering and, and sort of a, a numbness, a disorientation kind of kicked in mm -hmm. for me. And, and in retrospect, I think that's what my brain or maybe all people who suffer that kind of shock, it just sort of stops you from knowing too much too soon you know mm -hmm. you just sort of go into or I did I went into this I could only feel a little bit at a time yeah and then it would be very overwhelming and then I would sort of shut down again and then I would feel a little bit more and I think that was probably my intuitive way of just protecting myself from not being completely I'm glad flooded. that you're I'm glad that you're saying this because I have had 
clients say to me, I'm worried that I'm not grieving enough right now. And like you said, that can be adaptive. Uh-huh. It can be adaptive uh-huh. to shut, to get your defenses up, visit right. grief for a little bit. Like you right. said, or else you might be com- completely overwhelmed. With yeah. Like yeah. And I think it, there's also temperament involved in mm-hmm. how people grieve. And um, I'm a pretty introverted person and pretty private. And I think the way I've always processed any sort of emotions is first, I have to do it by myself. I have mm-hmm. to be alone. I have to think, I have to feel, and then I can express it a little bit. And with all of that information coming at me so quickly, and I just remember in that triage room, there were nurses around me and doctors uh-huh. and my partner. And I just like, I remember literally just curling up on that table and just sort of stop listening. I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't um, absorb anymore. Mm-hmm. So had I a different temperament, who knows, maybe, maybe I would have responded with more kind of wailing, but that's just not how yeah, it worked out are. for me. Mm-hmm. So um, you, I know your partner, you talk about it in the book. Um, it was a partner that you had and how did he adapt to it? Our relationship was an, uh, this is in my book, but our relationship was not on steady ground while mm-hmm. we were at the tail end of being pregnant, of, of my pregnancy. So um, immediately after we lost our daughter, we sort of rebonded. And in retrospect, I think that was both of our ways of just like surviving. We literally needed each other to survive it. Um, and then in sort of typical, and I, and I don't want to be too stereotypical, but I really grieved in more typical female ways in that I was um, talking to friends and I was writing a bunch in a journal and I was really trying to find ways to express it. And he shut down, in my opinion, he shut down more and he expressed his grief, um, again, in retrospect, through more anger, Mm. just got angry at all sorts of things me but you know the traffic just just a lot of anger Mm -hmm. and ultimately we were we were not going to make it as a couple most likely anyway um but this certainly added an incredible amount of stress to an already really wobbly relationship so we parted ways six months later so it was an intense time for for me and and for him too yeah, talk about journaling. Well, I had always kept a journal, um, but I wasn't as consistent of, of a journaler as I was until after my baby died. And I remember very clearly a friend of mine had given me this brand new journal as a gift um, after my baby died. And she inscribed on the inside cover, a place for your feelings when you're ready to express them. And I just took that as an invitation and I wrote in that it became like an imperative for me to write in my journal. I wrote in it every single day. And I think for me, it became a way to have a safe place to express the, the, all the raw emotions that I was feeling and the shock. Um, sometimes I think I was reluctant to share with my closest friends and family what I was really feeling. I think I was protecting them a little bit from the, the depth of the grief, 
but I didn't need to do that with my journal. So that was one way it became super helpful. And I also used it to write letters to my daughter. It felt a little awkward initially, and then I really just leaned into it, and it felt like a way for me to cultivate this alternative relationship with my baby who I had so I had been so bonded to when I was pregnant. Journaling was one way that I really think that I, I got through my grief. And another way I got through it was um, being outside in this new way. I, I started to spend much more time outdoors, would go on a ton of walks, and which is not something that had been new to me, but I, I started to feel this real connection to nature and particularly mm -hmm. to birds. Um, and so there was this intense period in that first year where I thought that I would connect to Carly was my, uh, is what I named my baby. I felt she was in the animal world or in the nature mm -hmm. world. Well, and they and say I, birds are a way to connect with people. Yeah. Right. They come in yeah. bird form sometimes. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. And I don't know if I had been aware of that at the time, but I just mm -hmm. would spend all this time and I thought, you know, she's she's near me. She's somehow mm -hmm. near me in this, in this natural world. So, mm -hmm. so when, when the grief became, you know, grief is so up and down, but when I was in a real down place, I, I knew I had at least two things I could do. I could write in my journal or I could go outside mm -hmm. and see if I could just kind of breathe in her, breathe in her essence somehow. So that's as close as I got to her writing back to me um, I love in my journal. That. I yeah. love breathing in her essence. That's a lovely. Me too. And, and I like that you were able to go to the depth of your pain and really be there through your writing. Mm -hmm. Like you went, mm -hmm. you went there. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, sometimes when we're grieving, we, we're looking at other people. We're worried that they're going to take care of us. We're self-conscious. I mean, all sorts of things. Yeah. And the other thing that really helped me too, and this, this was another form of writing, is early on I connected to this um, other mother who had lost her first baby in the same way. Shortly after I did, we met each other on this online forum called the Miss Foundation. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, no, Joanne Cacciatore. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah Joanne Cacciatore. Yes, um, well. Oh, yeah. She does great work too. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we, her name is Jennifer, this, this friend, we started writing to each other um, almost every day as soon as we met and she loved writing and I loved writing and we were going through the same thing at the same time. So it became this incredible, it just felt like divine intervention for me. We just mm -hmm. sort of found each other. We we had similar temperaments and we didn't, again, as, it, as my journal didn't need to be, I didn't need to filter myself in my journal. I didn't need to filter myself in my letters to Jennifer and vice versa. And we have kept in touch um, all this time. And I think that was incredible gift of mm -hmm. meeting her and, um, you know, finding a sort of a soulmate in, in grief. <laughs> Peer support is powerful and research yeah. shows that we all know that through experience. I uh, was looking at your book and it's very good and very interesting and a great storyteller. 
and as well as being a true story. It, it's really interesting. But how was it for you to reveal this in a book, being a private oh. person? How did you decide to do it? Oh, that's, that, this was quite a spring and summer for me because yes, this was, writing the book was so much easier in some ways. And then I decided to look into publishing and then I found a publisher, but I didn't really connect the dots to what that would mean until it became, you know, months before the book was out. So, oh, I was dying the death. I just, it was really hard for me. Um, because the first of it, you talk about a, a, a failed relationship and why yeah. you went to, I know. Uh, yeah, talk a little bit about that at the very beginning, yeah. Yeah, I had been living in Boston and was uh, in a relationship with um, someone who I had really loved and I really wanted to marry and, you know, he was the one for me. And then um, he, what do they call it? Ghosted? He ghosted me? I think that's what, I think that's what the term is. He, he just disappeared. Um, wow. I was heartbroken. I was a wreck went to North Carolina to visit my brother who lives here now and did so at the time and met this other person that I ended up moving to North Carolina for and became pregnant with. Um, but it was so clearly a rebound relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I was just not even thinking clearly. It was a different kind of grief, um, but it's an example of how grief can just stop your critical thinking skills yeah. anyway so back to your point Gloria that was a time in my life that I had after I sort of rebuilt my life after losing the baby and starting over again I looked back at that time with great shame and embarrassment that I'd really kind of screwed up on multiple levels and so publishing the book brought me back to that place of you know what did you do and and what will people who didn't know you back then think of you now um so the publishing part was was a challenge for me but really what what i came to i reframed it thankfully into life is just messy and my life is just as just as messy as everyone else's and i have a story to tell and um, you know, that's where healing happens. Healing happens in the light. It doesn't happen mm -hmm. in the dark. So mm -hmm. I started to think of my story as just, uh, I hope this doesn't sound too conceited, but just a gift, just put it mm -hmm. out there. And if it can help anyone, um, then that would be great. And I love you know, I want to end the show on that because I love that and mm -hmm. what you've done with your story and how you've brought it around. It's been 17 years. So I also want to say to people, it's a great read. You want to read it. You want to get the book. But I also want to say it's never too late to tell your story and get it out there and, you know, and uh, bring hope to people in the world. And you've certainly done that. Thank you so much. Tell people how to get your book and where you, they can find you. Um, my book is available on Amazon. Um, the, the title is From the Lake House, and it's also available at my local bookstore, Flyleaf Books in Chapel Hill, flyleafbooks.com, and I would love people to support my independent bookseller. 
Um, but it's also on Amazon. And I have a website, kristenrademacher.com, and I'm on Facebook as well. So Great. that's where I am. Kirsten, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I really appreciate all the work and help that you've done for people. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you, Kristen. And your life and your book certainly are a gift to the world. So thank oh, you thank so you. much for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. And we want to thank everybody for joining us. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.